The following audio is brought to you by Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. More information about our church can be found at emmanueltuscaloosa.org. Let's get started. Um, I hope you all got a, a packet. I tried to do one similar to how, how Michael would, would do one. His family is um, finishing up a, a well-deserved vacation this week, so... You're stuck with me, the substitute, so please no spit wads or passing notes. Um, it's a tough topic today. Um, we're, we're talking about Satanism, and uh, I think it's appropriate that we begin our time with prayer as we, as we get into this. Um, before we do that, does anybody in here have any, um, you don't have to share if you don't want to, but... I wonder if you've experienced either in connections you have, people that you know, any, uh, anything that would fall under the category of Satanism proper? Is it something that is really on, the, on your mind when you think about like cults and the occult? I gotta admit, when Michael gave me this topic, I was not what I was expecting. Um, I don't know if it's one of those things where like, you know, you buy a car and then you see that car everywhere else around town, but as I was preparing for this lesson, I actually saw a car in Tuscaloosa with, the, uh, I think they call themselves the Church of Satan, uh, bumper sticker on, on their back car. And I don't think I had ever seen that before. Um, lo and behold, as I was preparing for it this week, I saw that, um, which kind of, um, you know, startled me a little bit. Um, so I don't know, you know, what your experience with this has been or, or will be. Um, but I, I think we'll find as we talk about it that in various ways it is helpful for us to understand the worldview of uh, Satanism. It's actually, we're going to see kind of in two branches, um, and I, I think especially what we would call modern Satanism, you may encounter that worldview very frequently even if you don't encounter people who identify as Satanists or would say that they are members of the Church of Satan. Um, but there's some really hard, dark, disturbing things, um, you know, not a surprise when we talk about all of, you know, what we've been doing in building blocks lately, and uh, Satanism is no exception to that. So let's begin with prayer, and we'll, we'll work our way through this. <clears throat> Father, we are grateful for the gospel. We thank you for the supremacy of, of Jesus Christ, your perfect Son. We are grateful that you have made us, that you sustain us by the word of your power, that you have called us to yourself through Jesus Christ. We thank you that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. and No one comes to you except through him. We thank you for his shed blood, for the forgiveness of sin that we have in and through Him. We thank You, uh, as Your Word says, that in His crucifixion, He has disarmed the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places and simultaneously nailed our sins to the cross. So we thank You for His perfect righteousness. We thank You for His victory over sin, death, and Satan. We pray for people who are held captive to falsehood in a variety of ways, who embrace the worldview of Satanism, who um, are opposed to you in so many ways, who are lost in darkness. We pray for you to graciously work in their lives, perhaps even on the back end of this. We may meet people who are held captive in such ways. I pray you would use us to bring the hope of the gospel into dark places, even in our very city. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. In some ways, um, our, our topic today at least begins as sort of building on what you talked about with Michael last week with witchcraft and Wicca. Um, Satanism, as we're going to see, if you, you know, read about Satanism, it has two distinct branches, I guess you would call it. There is what we would call traditional or theistic Satanism and modern or atheistic Satanism. So you have people who fall under the branch of Satanism, some of whom believe in spiritual things and in some way, shape, or form honor or revere Satan or some satanic figure. 
And then you have what we would call modern or atheistic Satanists who use the iconography of Satan, but who are specifically atheistic. And you might be thinking, how in the world can those two things coexist under the same umbrella? Uh, and so we're going to be talking about a lot of different things today. But we're going to begin um, with sort of an introduction to what we mean when we say Satanism. We'll go into what we would call traditional or theistic Satanism, and then hopefully spend the bulk of our time in um, addressing modern Satanism, which is what you would probably be more likely to encounter today. Um, so if you're, if you're following along in your packet and you like to, to take notes, Satanism is separated from all other occult practices by its intentional and vocal allegiance to Satan. <clears throat> You'll see that kind of in theistic and atheistic Satanism. It's kind of odd that a group that has no belief in spiritual things calls itself the Church of Satan. That, that is, I think, used for a number of reasons, and we may talk about that. But in both, you have the intentional calling on, and in the case of theistic Satanism, vocal allegiance to Satan. The, the term Satan is a Hebrew word that means adversary or accuser. You'll see that in First Chronicles, in Job, and in Zechariah, to name a few places you would find that in, in the Old Testament. Um, Contrary to what you'll see in modern Satanism, Satan is a personal created being opposed to God and his people. So modern Satanists who are atheists will tell you Satan is more of an idea or an emblem of their belief system, but the church of Satan does not believe in a personal spiritual being named Satan. Theistic Satanists do. Um... So contrary to popular ideas about Satan, he is not the ruler of hell or the condemned, but he faces God's judgment alongside with them. Uh, Revelation 20.10 is a good passage on that in the New Testament. Michael mentioned this last week, but I think it's worth um, reminding us. In some ways, we might say that all false belief that denies the gospel is in that sense satanic. So, as we've talked about cults and the occult for the last few weeks, you could put the, the label satanic on any of them, in a sense. So, seeing Satanism is more of a, uh, a proper noun, as it were. We're focusing on systems of belief that specifically invoke Satan in a more direct way. And like I mentioned as we got started, Satanism then is a very broad term, that encompasses traditional or theistic beliefs in which a personal Satan, like a, a being named Satan, is worshipped as a deity. And then what we would call modern Satanism, which is atheistic, hedonistic, both of them really are hedonistic. And in modern Satanism, Satan is viewed really more as an impersonal entity or corporate evil, a representation of their worldview. Hatred is at the center of Satanism. Hatred for all people, particularly Christians, which is why I think the Church of Satan uses so many kinds of biblical imagery in its uh, stated beliefs, its iconography, um, they specifically, like the Church of Satan, specifically claims that they're seeking to undo um, religious abuses and um, you know, what has gone wrong in the world since the advent of Christ. So it's kind of dark and disturbing. I kind of tongue-in-cheek called today Bummer Sunday. Um, you know, we got Satanism now. We got songs of lament in the worship service. We have the death of Absalom. It's, it's a tough day. Um, I've tried to kind of lighten it up with some humor here and there, but it, it's kind of a doozy of a day. Um, we'll move on to traditional Satanism, which you may encounter uh, this, or you may see it in the news or evidence of it in the bookstore, um, but it's ultimately going to be less common uh, today. At least it seems that way. In traditional Satanism, 
there are rituals that center upon Satan, and they involve praying to him, seeking things from him, bargaining with him, and following the practices, beliefs, and ceremonies centered upon him, including the use of dark magic. That's going to be where there's some overlap between witchcraft that y'all talked about last week and Satanism this week. Some of the figures in history that have promoted um, the use of dark magic, um, these, these rituals, you might also put that under the umbrella of witchcraft. Um, in this case, it's witchcraft that is spe- specifically aimed at invoking the power of Satan and the demonic. Um, again, it's less common today, but it seems to have very old roots. In Revelation chapter 2, you turn there if you like, um, the church at Thyatira is being addressed, and I'm going to start reading in verse 19. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. So hold that, hold that in your mind. You've got sexual immorality, um, demonic connections. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden." Only hold fast what you have until I come. So the Lord connects this um, demonic activity, um, sexual immorality going on in Thyatira, Thyatira with what some people called the deep things of Satan. So it, it seems that um, the, the invoking of, of Satan and satanic power has very old roots. It begins, it seems, no later than the, than the early church. And there's a connection to immorality, to hedonism, to all manner of debauchery. And as we work through this, you'll see that hasn't really changed um, since then. Um, So in traditional Satan, Satanism, uh, Satan is recognized as a personal, supernatural being, either greater than or equal to God. In some forms of traditional Satanism, Satan is considered to be the only God and would say that all other um, beliefs in any gods would be uh, from the human imagination. Again, Satanism is, is a very broad umbrella term that encapsulates uh, a lot of different worldviews, some of which are very different from one another. But in traditional Satanism, Satan is recognized as a personal being. Uh, and it, it seems to have emerged no later than the period of the early church and extended for centuries. Um, so that's not to say that the worship uh, of false gods and idolatry is not rampant, but Satanism as a formal spiritual practice, especially in the West, seems to be less common today than it has been in the past. And more common, it seems, would be what we would call a modern or atheistic Satanism. But they're both, they both still occur in the world around us. Um, if we fast forward to the Middle Ages, Satanism included uh, what were termed black masses, and these were sexually perverse parodies of Catholic rites. So a lot of times with, with Satanism, you'll see um, the, the images and rituals and practices of the church perverted and twisted uh, into something else. Some of those in the Middle Ages even included the killing of children as sacrifices. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's like I said, as you, as you read some of the things that are um, 
practiced and done under the term of Satanism, it's quite disturbing. Yes, sir. It's certainly not, and um, children are still sacrificed to Satan in the world today, and it's done in the name of convenience and um, self-exaltation in abortion. Um, And so you see, you know, as different as some of the satanic worldviews are under the umbrella of Satanism, uh, ultimately, it seems they're all advancing very similar agendas, which um, moves us into modern Satanism, um, which I think Michael mentioned this last week. Um, the tenets of modern Satanism are often traced to the influence of a man named Francois Rabelais. He lived in the late 14 to mid-1500s, who was a Catholic priest who left the priesthood And he coined the phrase, do what thou wilt. Um, Michael mentioned last week, I think in y'all talking about Wicca, a a similar phrase of, uh, and it harm none, do what you will. Does that ring any bells from last week? Um, That was apparently a phrase coined by this guy Rabelais back in the 1500s. And you can see in do what thou wilt, really what the worldview of Satanism is. Do what you want to do. Um, There's that little caveat that you'll sometimes hear, Michael mentioned it last week, and it harm none, um, which if you talk to somebody who is, um, who lots of people have this worldview and would never think of themselves as a Satanist. Um, But this is where you're going, I think, to rub up against this kind of worldview, because a, a lot of secular, atheistic minds are going to say, well, just, you know, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, do what you want. Um, that's an area that you can press on in an atheistic worldview because that, that's going to run into reality very quickly. Who gets to decide what harms people and what doesn't? What's the objective standard for harm in the first place? What, What if my definition of harm is different than your definition of harm? What if I perceive that it doesn't harm you, but you perceive that it harms you? That's where the subjectivity of morality that's inherent in worldviews like this ultimately runs aground. But Rabelais and people from that persuasion, the idea is do what thou wilt. And that is extremely um, prevalent in forms of occultism like witchcraft, Wicca, and into Satanism, really both traditional and modern Satanism. So we see Satanism in you know, the Middle Ages and then into the 14 and 1500s begin to uh, morph somewhat into what we would call modern Satanism. Um, this is, you know, for you history buffs, you, you might find some of these things as interesting as they are disturbing. Um, Satanism and its debauchery sprung up again uh, in English aristocrats in the 1700s, and there were these hedonistic orders that were sometimes called hellfire clubs. Again, you have the embracing of Christian and biblical imagery, but basically, you know, people thumbing their nose at those things. One of the most influential patrons of these hellfire clubs was actually a personal friend and advisor to King George III, which just seems 
I'm just baffled by that. Um, but there you go. What do Satanists do with suffering? Well, in a hedonistic worldview, um, avoid suffering at all costs, right? That's you're living for your own pleasure. You know, not trying to harm anyone else. Again, we're going to see how that runs aground of reality. Um, but suffering would be explained by, you know, natural phenomenon, bad luck, um, you know, any number of, of explanations. Again, it depends on the worldview you're coming at it with. If you're coming at it from a theistic worldview, uh, as in, I need to employ the power of Satan for my good, then suffering might be, you know, a prompt to me to engage in some sort of magic rituals to get Satan on my side to help me out of my suffering. Um, in an atheistic worldview, suffering is, is a really big problem. And I mentioned that car that had the Church of Satan bumper sticker on it. There was another bumper sticker on it right below it. And it said, if God is real, why does he cause so much agony? What do y'all think about that? How would, you, how would you address the person who their stated or a stated objection to the reality of God is, how can you say God is real, God is loving, like you Christians say, and in, in the words of the bumper sticker, he causes so much agony. Okay, so sin is kind of the short answer to that. Let's tease that out a little bit. Talk, have that conversation with that person. What do you think? Say that again? Okay, so go, go with that, Timothy. Yeah. So there's the, the sinful inclination where the blame lies everywhere but with what with but with me. Yeah. I would start with the fact that God gave us free will and there's us who not Yeah, similar to Timothy's um, you know, idea that in in the biblical worldview, we are holding, I don't know if tension is the right word, because these forces are not opposed to one another, but God is sovereign. God is in control. He doesn't look at the sin in the garden or sin now and, you know, wring his hands like, what am I going to do with these jokers? Um, but he is not faulted with or held responsible for sin. People sin. We see a world that is broken by sin. Um, there is good news about God's redeem, redeeming power in the gospel out of sin. Um, so, in, in the beginning of that, it sounds like one, one strategy y'all are thinking would be helpful to employ would be talking about the reality of sin and the responsibility of people in sin. Bob, did you have something? Yeah, so in an atheistic worldview, why is suffering bad? What makes something bad? What, what, what is good and what is bad? That's one of the things, like, from a conversational standpoint. Uh, and I know Michael has said, and I don't want to get too far into this, that the purpose of this is not to be, um, you know, thinking too, too far down the road in terms of, like, apologetics. You may not meet the person with the Church of Satan bumper sticker on their car, but your friends and neighbors and colleagues, many of them, their worldview is atheistic. You're going to see this all the time. And atheism, not only is it hopeless, but it's inconsistent. There's not an explanation for the world that we live in. Go ahead, Bob.
That's helpful. God is a providential God, and he does what the world tells us not. And, and so that kind of puts things, in my opinion, that puts things in a different light. The idea of you know, God is trying to make you the happiest person possible. He brings joy to himself, and, and, and so those that are redeemed people, he works all things to work through them. Um, and so it, it really complicates it. I don't, I don't think we should just say, well, Um, I agree with you, Doug, and I, I hope in addressing those comments you didn't get the impression that I'm um, taking God out of the equation. We do uphold God's sovereignty. We don't convict God of sin by, by doing that. Um, what motivates God? Uh, I, I think a, the primary motivation in God's creation of the world, even creating a world in which he ordained that sin would exist, is his own glory. Interestingly, and this, I, this may, I don't mean for this to sound provocative, hedonistic worldviews have almost got it right. Almost. They're finding the source of their happiness, though, in the wrong things. The glory of God is meant to be a delight to the people of God. So you should, as a person of God, as a Christian, be delighted by God glorifying himself in the gospel. That's Matthew 13, 44, the treasure hidden in the field. That's a value statement. You, you come upon the treasure hidden in the field and you forsake anything else you own or could hope to own to gain that treasure. That's a, that's a delight. That's not an intellectual assent to a set of facts about a guy named Jesus. That's the glory of God is worth more than anything I have or could ever hope to have. And that's why I think, I think it was uh, C.S. Lewis that, uh, that talked about this in Mere Christianity. I'm, I'm looking to Bob to kind of help me out with my C.S. Lewis reference. The, uh, being too easily pleased, um, you know, it's the, it's the passage where he talks about, you know, playing in the mud and we have no concept of what a vacation by the sea is like. Um, Bob can clear that up for you afterwards, so see Bob. He's, he's my Lewis guy. Um, Yeah, um, so um, the very well-known book, uh, Desiring God by Piper, that, that's sort of, if you like to listen to or read John Piper, the Christian hedonism, that, that term can be off-putting to some people, but um, that's sort of how he encapsulate, encapsulates the Christian life, as delighting in God. Uh, and so where hedonism gets it wrong, this kind of satanic hedonism, 
is in the, the glory that the person is delighting in is their own. We actually see in Satanism, in some forms of Satanism, where the goal is your own deification. And that's not unique to Satanism, but that is part of some satanic beliefs. Was there another question or comment before we move on? Yeah, I think in doing that, you'll find that human suffering is one of the key touch points in these kind of things that crosses a lot of different so-called religions or cults or worldviews. And so I would encourage you to press into that as you think through these things, because that's a question that's rattling around the heads of people, is how to come to grips with suffering. I just told you that in the name of Satanism, children were killed ritually as sacrifices. Today, untold millions of children are killed in the name of convenience. And, you know, we, we recognize that as suffering and evil. Um, turn on the news today and you say, Israel is at war and, you know, our country doesn't know what a man and a woman is. We just see, you know, all this crazy stuff going on. And in the midst of that, people are wondering, if the Christians are right, how am I supposed to understand why there is pain and suffering in the world? And to Doug's point, it's not helpful to try to excuse God from that. We have to have a God-centered view of suffering. And one of the things I think we can tell people is the suffering that you are experiencing now, it, this is far better than you deserve. And I think that's something that is, uh, is offensive to the atheistic ear. But this is as close to heaven as the person who rejects the gospel will ever get. So the suffering that we experience now pales by comparison to what sins deserve and how sins will ultimately be punished outside of Christ. So I would encourage you to think on the issue of suffering as you think through things that we would call you know, Satanism or any really form of atheism. All right, moving on. Um, Michael mentioned him last week. A key figure in modern Satanism that had connections to witchcraft was a man named Aleister Crowley. He lived in the eight, late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, he embraced Rabelais' do what thou wilt, that hedonism, and he was sort of a, I don't know, kind of an eclectic mix of a lot of different things. He's kind of hard to pin down on any specific belief system. Um, all sorts of different occult practices. It was like kind of a buffet of spirituality in Aleister Crowley. Um, he authored a book that he later claimed was inspired by an Egyptian deity, and he said that that was the occult equivalent of the Bible. Crowley is an important figure in, um, I guess, what you would say, modern theistic atheism and witchcraft. Um, then, modern Satanism started gaining traction in the entertainment industry. If you look in the 1900s with the advent of film um, and increased technology, there were popular books and movies and music as early as the 1920s that started advancing and promoting forms of Satanism. And it continues today, often expressed as extreme individualism and the rejection of authority. Has anybody ever heard of Anton LaVey? All right, so I gotta, I gotta tell y'all, when Michael gave me Satanism as a topic, this is how much I knew, right here. 
Absolutely nothing. And how much I know now is a little more than nothing, and I think it's all on your packet. So I wasn't sure how well-known uh, the name Anton LaVey would be, but he turns out to be one of the most influential figures in modern Satanism. Um, and you can see how recently he lived. Uh, LaVey was heavenly, excuse me, heavily influenced by Crowley and ended up founding what is known as the Church of Satan. For LaVey, Satanism is the pursuit of worshiping Satan as a depersonalized evil and rejecting God, the depersonalized force of good. At the heart of Levian Satanism is rebellion against societal and moral norms. Which reminded me of Isaiah 5.20. You probably know this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. It goes on to say, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. I'm not encouraging you to get on the Church of Satan's website and like read about them. I had to do that for this, and it, you know, I'm not encouraging you to do that. But if you do, and then you go back to Isaiah 5, you'll go, Yep, that's it right there. Calling evil good, good evil, trading bitter for sweet, being wise in their own eyes is basically the Frequently Asked Questions page on the Church of Satan. That's Genesis 1, and that's, excuse me, Genesis 3, and that is, I think, precisely why Satan is utilized as the emblem even for an atheistic worldview, because he represents the rejection of God and His Word and God's determination of what is good and evil. Yeah. And in modern Satanism, you just put yourself on the throne. That's what, that's what happens in modern Satanism. Actually, that's what happens in traditional Satanism too. They just utilize spirituality and witchcraft as a means of achieving that. And we'll talk about that a little bit with the Temple of Set, which broke off from the Church of Satan um, back in the 70s. Um, yeah, they did. Turns out some of them believed in spiritual things and some didn't, which, isn't that, isn't that remarkable? Wesley? In, in which view? Modern Satanism, like atheistic Satanism, or traditional Satanism? So modern Satanists are atheists. They believe there is no afterlife. You live, you die, get what you can while you can get it. You know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That's atheism. Uh, traditional Satanism, probably people would answer that in a different ways because there are so many different cults and occult groups formed around this. Um, the Temple of Set that I have a bullet point on that broke off from the Church of Satan, their belief in the afterlife, as best I can understand it, is... They revere but do not worship a deity named Set, which they believe is the proper name for Satan. And in their worldview, Set is a teacher and a guide who will help you achieve immortality in your consciousness. And so the afterlife is one of your own conscious making, where you're basically the god of your universe. And if you don't achieve that enlightenment, then you just die and dissolve into nothingness. So one worldview, one group of people thinks you could either die and be the master of your own universe or die and be nothing. Stakes are pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. In the Temple of Set, it's, I guess, really good or really nothing. Um, and again, more common than not, probably. Like, I don't know how true the Wikipedia stats are, but I was looking up facts about the Temple of Set, and it said their membership was like 200 people. I mean, I don't know how accurate that is, but um, I think more commonly, if you see 
uh, evidence of Satanism today, like the bumper sticker on that car that I saw, that person is a self-declared atheist. And so there is no afterlife in their worldview. I'll interact with that for a second. In a sense, we are out of the womb like that in our sin nature. So there is the there is that that we're not born pursuing God, and then we've been steered off track by you know falsehood. We're we're born conceived in sin nature. And we need to be redeemed. We need to be saved from sin. So there is that. Uh, in terms of like these specific teachings, if you think about modern Satanism, like all these names and, and different things, and kind of strip away that to a worldview that rejects God, rejects the gospel, in large part rejects all things spiritual and eternal. It's materialistic and hedonistic. I mean, that's... Goodness, that's just America, isn't it? I mean, it's just like that's the, that's the water we're swimming in. Uh, I mean, sometimes we call it Disney. I mean, that, that's just the world that we live in is opposed to God, and that takes many different forms. Here, it's people who are advancing hedonism and self-promotion under the label of Satan, but you don't have to have a goat and pentagram sticker on your car to be inclined in that direction. That's been true since... Adam and Eve sinned. Yes, you'll go ahead. Um, and I think, like, in, in a theistic type of Satan, that would probably be happening quite literally. Um, in, in modern Satanism, you basically have Satan as a representation of those sorts of things. So the God that I'm serving, ultimately, in, in modern Satanism, is, is me. Um, unfortunately, the God in modern Satanism only lives for 60 or 70 years. Um, but the idea of, as somebody mentioned YOLO, you only live once. Um, obviously, the biblical worldview is you only live forever. So, think about that. Yolf is not as good of a catchy. I told y'all, we've got to put some humor in this, because I'm, I'm telling you, this just it's, it's dark stuff. Um, so, Anton LaVey. He founded the Church of Satan in 1966 in California, and that was the same year that he wrote the Satanic Bible. 
The Satanic Bible promotes self-indulgence. It is specifically atheistic. It criticizes religious hypocrisy. It detests unconditional love. This is start get your get your Bible worldview turning here. Detests unconditional love, advocates for personal vengeance, encourages helping those deemed deserving, views mankind as any other animal, and sees the idea of Satan as a necessary counterbalance to religious authority. There's a lot there. But you can think about the gospel and a biblical worldview meeting those things. Unconditional love. Not seeking vengeance. God helping helpless sinners. People made in the image of God. Um, Again, you know, one of the things that you'll see in like the Church of Satan is specifically targeting what they see as abuses of uh, religious authority, especially in Christianity. And there may be dialogue there. I mean, we certainly the we don't look back on two thousand years of church history and go, "Yep, Christians have always got it right every single time." Um, that's there is a avenue to the gospel right there is the the sin and suffering that you find so painful um you know we can have a discussion about you know how we've got to where we are and that's going to you know take on some different forms but ultimately the the gospel doesn't end with trying to explain human suffering the gospel is telling us you have sinned against a holy god you deserve eternal suffering and the son of god has taken on flesh Born that punishment for you. We're going to read part of Isaiah 53 in the sermon today. The man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief has borne the stripes for your healing. What does that mean? It means that there is forgiveness of sins. It means there is life eternal. It means there is the hope for an eternal future with no sin and no suffering. Um, but you see the Satanic Bible is sort of a perverted mirror image in a lot of ways of a biblical worldview. <clears throat> The satanic iconography often includes the goat, which apparently is a reference to Matthew 25, Jesus separating the sheep and goats. It's kind of interesting to me that uh, a worldview that is specifically atheistic keeps going back to Christianity to find images and things to include in its belief system. It's like, uh, there's something there, right? Um, I I saw this, I don't know, it was probably... um, it was probably some meme on the internet. It, it was, uh, again, it was kind of addressing this from a tongue-in-cheek standpoint, but it was like describing the atheistic worldview, um, and it said something to the effect of, I don't believe in God, and I hate him so much. <laughs> Do you see that in atheism? There is simultaneously the proposed disbelief in any God and the absolute hatred of God. That person on the same car was a sticker telling me they were an atheist and the shots at, at God and his sovereignty. Um, it's remarkable to me. Um, but the, the goat then is an icon in the Church of Satan. I believe their actual official logo is the goat with the pentagram, like the inverted star. Uh, and they get that from Matthew 25. They, in that way, they're basically saying, we're the goats. We're not the sheep. I uh, go ahead, Timothy. Yeah. 
That's interesting because uh, in that way, uh, I guess for multiple reasons, the goat is a, a very apt representation of this worldview. Um, I haven't been able to verify this. I, I think this is right, but apparently also in that, that logo, there are Hebrew letters that spell out Leviathan. Um, so, like, the whole thing is, is basically, you know, thumbing its nose at, at a biblical or Christian worldview, um, which is, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, I know this is really going to shock you when you find out that LaVey does not have the best reputation as a person. Um, even by his own daughter's account, um, she exposed him as a prophet-seeking plagiarist and made claims of sexual abuse against him. So, um, it's, it's tragic. Um, I did a little reading about her she basically, uh, I guess you could say, converted to a form of theistic Satanism. And so now, basically, she was like, you know, Aleister Crowley's worldview is more right than my dad's. So she is still in uh, Satanism, but she is of the theistic persuasion. But she came out and basically said her dad had plagiarized uh, a lot of the, um, the Satanic Bible. I think some of that was taken to court. She claimed that um, she had been molested in the Church of Satan. Um, so I know you're just shocked to find out that, you know, charges of immorality accompany this person. Um, there have been splinter groups, to Charlie's point, about, you know, the Church of Satan split. Um, splinter groups have formed within modern Satanism, particularly as there were increasing detractors from LaVey. Uh, and that has, again, no surprise, been facilitated by widespread use of the internet. Um, today, still, though, what you would call Levian Satanism, whether in the Church of Satan or, or other similar groups, and there are a bunch of them. Uh, I don't know if it still exists, but uh, in my reading for this, it looked like one had been incorporated in Mobile um, not too, too long ago. Um, I, you know, I don't know you know, what you would find here in town, but Levian Satanism is the most common in the United States. One of the questions I had that somebody asked me, I guess I was talking to Michael about this last week, and it was like, do they meet? Like, is that a question you have? Like, you, you hear the Church of Satan, it's like, well, like, do you guys gather? Like, what, what do you do? Uh, they don't have regular gatherings or meetings. I think basically you pay them for like a membership card, and then you get... I guess you get the sticker for your car. Um, but be, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Their worldview is extreme individualism. So congregationalism and unity and diversity that we see in the church makes absolutely no sense to people who think that way. So they don't have congregations or, or gatherings. If they find you know people in their you know, goat fold, Timothy, that, you know, think similarly. They might help people make connections on a local basis, but, you know, you're not going to find, like, the Church of Satan building Tuscaloosa. Like, you're not going to drive around and see a location where the Church of Satan is gathering. Myra, did you have something? Yeah. I may be wrong. That to me sounds more like a theistic brand of witchcraft or occultism where they're actually like employing some sort of what they would call magic. Um, Levian Satanism, again, is atheistic. You're not going to find them, you know, doing Ouija boards and messing with crystals and, you know, all that sort of thing. Satan for them is just an emblem of their individuality and rejection of societal norms. It's nice that they're ecumenical, I guess, right? You know, they have a. I think the Hellfire Club, you know, 
Um, one of the, I, I guess we would say, most prominent splinter groups, I mentioned this a little bit ago, is called the Temple of Set. And there's a whole Frequently Asked Questions page on the Church of Satan website about the Temple of Set. They broke off from the Church of Satan and LaVey in 1975. And that's an example of ongoing traditional Satanism. Um, for, for them, set is God. Any other deity or religious figure or whatever is just from human imagination. And they would tell you, as best I can understand, that set is the right way to spell, say, pronounce, whatever, Satan. Um, so he is... Um, I'm not sure worshipped is the right word after I did a little more reading on this, but maybe revered, followed, admired. And there is the use of dark magic rituals by people who follow this particular form of Satanism. Um, Set is viewed commonly as a god of chaos, darkness, and individuality, and he is seen as a symbol of personal power, self-discovery, and self-deification. And you can kind of see how that's behind a lot of what we're talking about today. Um, modern Satanists champion LGBT, you know, in all the letters. There's, I can't keep track of all the letters. Um, activism and pro-abortion stances, that shouldn't surprise you, in the name of individual liberty. And that's really um, the, the worldview of atheism. Just do what you want to do, be what you want to be, you are what you make yourself, and uh, then you die. Yeah, We're, we are using that term in the sense that they have taken it on themselves. Which is why this is kind of a difficult topic because, again, there's branches of, you know, people with the Church of Satan bumper sticker on their car. And did anybody come in today thinking like the Church of Satan worships Satan? I would have told you, that I just assumed that's what they did. So like, oh, you're a Satanist, so you worship Satan. The Church of Satan person would tell you, no, that's ridiculous. I don't worship anything. I don't believe in any God. Um, so yeah, I, I get that. From where our worldview meets that, we go, that doesn't seem like quite the right name. Um, they have embraced Satan as a representation of their worldview, and so we, we are using that term in the sense that they have applied it to themselves. Um, other questions or comments on that, Timothy? I'm not sure about y'all, I, I think you would agree with this, but uh, having never met someone as a you know, self-proclaimed Satanist, uh, they don't seem like the happiest bunch to me. Sort of a miserable, sad worldview. And uh, 
I hope, among other things, that that creates in you um, sadness. You know, I thought about, like, that car that I was behind in traffic, and I was like, what's the right way to feel about this? How should I feel about this person in my city and all the people that they represent, that that, that is their representation of the world that they believe they live in? And among other things, I think sadness is appropriate. Um, we ought to be grieved by sin. I think about Matt, uh, you know, Michael's sermon in the, um, in the Beatitudes. Um, there, there should be sorrow for our own sin and sin in the world around us. And, um, you know, I think, like, I, I said some things today that, like I said, meant to be humorous to kind of help lighten the load of this. Um, but I came to Christianity out of an atheistic worldview. You may not know that about me. Uh, and I'm thankful for this church. I was converted by the ministry of this church. And your orientation to me was not one of philosophical or intellectual superiority, but of love. And that's where the rubber meets the road, I think, in all of these things, that our proclamation of the gospel is not to be done with, um, by thumbing our noses back at the people who are giving that to us in like forms of Satanism, but like Peter says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. So my encouragement, there, there's some other things on your packet that you can kind of take and look at, um, but that, that's kind of how I think would be good for us to conclude today as we, as we think about these things. Um, it, there is an inclination, I know I feel it, to, um, to get on the theological high horse and look down at you know, the people with the, the bumper stickers and the pride flags and you know, all the other things. Um, but I hope that one of the things that will do for us is to produce in us a sorrow for people who are living opposed to God and the gospel, that that will motivate us to pray for them, that will motivate us to share about the Lord with them, um, to do so lovingly and winsomely. Um, part of that, like Bob said, I think is listening to people and hearing about their experiences. And, um, you know, to James's point about causality, and I was talking to Timothy about this before we got started. I mean, you look at a person like Anton LaVey's daughter, who is still very much immersed in Satanism, but I think about all the abuse that she must have experienced in um, and under the authority of her father. And uh, we talked about suffering. Um, so many people have suffered so many horrendous things and are trying to find an explanation for why that's so. And uh, I hope that that will create in us a desire to see people, not as victims, that's not the, the point. A victim, the gospel doesn't save victims, the gospel redeems enemies. But uh, I think we should be sorrowful over what sin has produced in the lives of people. And I hope that among other things, it leads us to pray for them and be more motivated to uh, share with them the only hope that we have in Jesus. I'll pray for us as we close and then we'll have a few minutes before the worship service starts. Father, this has been a weighty time. There are so many things here that to my conscience and surely the, the conscience of my brothers and sisters here are troubling, disturbing, sickening that represent all manner of evil that is done in the world that you created and declared to be very good. We know that you are sovereign. You are in control. The entrance of sin into the world and all the horrors that is produced did not take you by surprise. You have created a world in which you ordained these things would happen. And yet, they are an offense against you. It is not how things are meant to be. You are redeeming people in and through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We count ourselves among those who were enemies 
that Christ died for. And so we pray that we would see people in the world around us, even people who are thumbing their nose at you, who use things in the Bible and from Christianity as weapons that they would throw back at your face. Help us to look at them with grief and with sadness, not with superiority, because we were all children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but you being rich in mercy because of the great love with which you have loved us. You made us alive together with Christ. We pray that that would empower our life and our witness, that we would live gently and peaceably with people, but honestly and with conviction about life, the coming judgment, and the only hope of salvation we have in Jesus. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you live in the Tuscaloosa area and are looking for a church, we'd love for you to visit. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday nights at 6.15.